Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. Welcome back to Ripples. I am thrilled to welcome Father Lawrence Freeman onto our program today. Lawrence is a Benedictine monk and the spiritual guide and director of the World Community for Christian Meditation. He is an international speaker and retreat leader and is the author of many articles and books. Lawrence currently lives in Bonveau, which is the International Meditation and Retreat Centre of the World Community for Christian Meditation. It is located about 20 minutes south of Poitiers in the southwest of France. Bonveau is a residential community which lives in the spirit of the rule of Saint Benedict, together with volunteers from many parts of the world. It is a place which fosters global peace and unity among all traditions through dialogue, silence and friendship. Whilst Bonvo is the spiritual home for the World Community for Christian Meditation, the community is now present in more than 100 countries. Today, I will speak to Lawrence from Wollongong in Australia, and Lawrence is speaking from Bonvo. Unlike other episodes, this conversation will be a Zoom conversation and will be presented in two parts. In this first episode, Lawrence will explore the practice of Christian meditation, and in the second episode, he will offer some insights on the importance of building a contemplative society. I would regard Lawrence as one of the great mystics of our time, and as someone who is leading the cultural shift towards a contemplative path. He acknowledges that meditation will not instantly solve all problems, but it does have the capacity to change how we view and deal with the challenges we face. I warmly welcome Lawrence today as he so generously shares his story, experience and deep wisdom. Lawrence, it is such a joy to have you on the program today and to share a conversation with you about Christian meditation. Lawrence, I've been a great follower of yours for some 20 years now. When my friends were listening to Bono and Fleetwood Mac and ABBA revival bands in their cars, I was listening to your CDs. I found them to be incredibly inspiring, grounded and life-giving. And so it is just such an honour to speak with you today. Well, thank you, Robin. It's uh, uh, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm sorry that you misspent your youth in that way, but oh no, I wouldn't see it that way at all. <laughs> Not at all. Now, Lawrence, I know that the community in Bonvo it's relatively new, and I was hoping to to visit it, visit your community in May of this year. But as we're all aware. Uh, travel restrictions didn't allow that, but I'm very committed to, to coming over at some point in the future when things change because it sounds as though it's it's a beautiful centre and a place where I think people will be wanting to come more and more. We'd love we'd love to see you. We've had many Australians and, and Kiwis and 
people from Asia uh, in the last year. We've been here just over a year now. And it's been a revelation to us, especially during this time of, of the, the confinement, that um, Bonvo has a real purpose, not just for the community, our international, global, spiritual family as a center for that, but, but also, I think, as a center for peace, in fact, way beyond the immediate mm. world community. Yes. So it's, uh, it's a discovery. We're a work in progress. Uh, like anything new, we're, we don't know what's going to happen. No. Uh, I, it's a journey of faith that we've started. Um, and we, we began with nothing, and we still have nothing, but we're, we have a lot of it. Wow. <laughs> so we're, um, we feel that there's a momentum and the Spirit is guiding it. And, mm. and it's a, a great enrichment to us, of course, to, to, when people come and visit, share the life with us. People can come for a, a short visit and some come for six months or a year as well. So, oh, how wonderful. We're, we're following the rule of St. Benedict, uh, the spirit of the rule. Um, and I think it's a new form of Benedictine life. I've just come up uh, immediately for, to meet with you from our regular morning discussion of the rule of St. Benedict with a group mm. of young people who are living here with us. And... I can. I often feel this is probably closer to the kind of early monastic community that mm -hmm. St. Benedict would have founded. Yes. Uh, St. Benedict wasn't a priest. Mm. The early monasteries were lay communities. Mm. And I sometimes think that uh, maybe we're rediscovering what he imagined in, those, in the Dark Ages when he yes. began his work. Yes. Oh, what an exciting journey you're on, Lawrence. It, it, sounds, it sounds just wonderful. And, Lawrence, I know of some of your later work or more recent work in the last 10 or so years, but I just wonder if we could backtrack a little bit to, to your early years and if we could hear something of, of Lawrence Freeman as a young boy or a young man and, and what were some of your interests at that time of your life? Well... Gives me a lot of scope, that question. Yes, so I'll talk myself. I was born in, in London. Uh, my father was English, my mother was Irish. So I grew up with, with two perspectives on life. Mm -hmm. And I, the older I, I get, the more Irish I feel, I must, I must say. Actually, I had three passports, English. Irish and Canadian, because I spent many years in Canada as well. Yeah. Mm. And, um, but, uh, so I grew up uh, in this, you know, my, my sort of coming of age was in the 60s and 70s. Yes. And it was an exciting time. Mm. Uh, it was a time of a lot of hope mm. and uh, excitement, a sense of a cultural revolution. Mm. I grew up uh, with a strong faith. Uh, Faith Foundation. I was educated by the Benedictines in a day, a day school in London. Yes. Um, and I uh, drifted away from the church in my in my teens. I felt the church wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't angry with it, but I just felt it was a bit irrelevant to the sort of questions I was facing at that time. Yes. Um, I 
spent uh, some time in the States before I went to university. Uh, I had an adventurous year living in New York and working at the United Nations. Yes. And um, then I went to Oxford. Uh, I read English literature at Oxford mm. and loved Oxford and was, was planning to stay on and um, probably have an academic career. But I decided to get off the academic uh, production line and take a year off. And uh, that led me to explore different fields, such as banking for a while. I never yes. thought I would be a banker, but I wanted to see what it would be like. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I joined, uh, I, I had known John Main yes. from early years. I think I first met him at the school when I was about 12 or 13. Not, I would say, as a spiritual teacher, but as a as a as a mentor and as a as a um, somebody very impressive. And um, I, in my first year at university, I uh, went to see him. I was going through uh, some major questions and mm. had had some major losses in my life. Mm. I went to see him to spend Easter with him. He was he was then headmaster of a school in Washington D.C. And it was um, just at that time that he had started to meditate again himself, having rediscovered this prayer of the heart from within his own uh, monastic Christian tradition. Mm. So it was a fortunate piece of timing because he introduced me to meditation. Mm. And I knew that when he spoke about it at that moment, uh, this was very significant. I, tr I knew what he was saying was mm -hmm. authentic and yes. important. Yes. And um, it took me a few years before mm -hmm. I began to practice it myself. Yes. But yes. So I, I grew up, uh, as I said, in England but with already some uh, experience of, of living overseas. Um, and I was more interested in literature than in theology. Yes, yes. And actually, I think I still am. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, thank you, Lawrence. It's wonderful. I, I, I didn't know your, your earliest story and, um, and I was intrigued to know about how you came to meet John Main because I know from your writings and, and from the work of, of um, the, the centre that, that John Main is, is so very key and has played a very influential part in, in the development of Christian meditation. So it's wonderful to hear about that that meeting. Uh, Lawrence, for those who, who may not be familiar with Christian meditation and this style of meditation, what does the practice of Christian med meditation actually look like or involve? What, what, how is it perhaps distinctive or, or how it, what is its design? Well, Christian meditation is, is nothing new. It was called the prayer of the heart. In the Eastern Church, in the Orthodox Church, it's, it was, it's part of the hesychast tradition of the prayer of the heart. In the Western Church, uh, it, it became marginalized or even an object of suspicion at, at some points in, in, in history. But uh, I think it corresponds exactly to the teaching of Jesus on prayer when he tells us to go into our inner room. He tells us not to talk too much not to go babbling on, uh, to lay aside our worries and anxieties, to be mindful, to set your mind on God's kingdom. 
and also to be in the present moment, not to worry about tomorrow. So this is what we're doing when we meditate in the, in the Christian tradition, consciously part of this transmission on the, on the meaning of prayer from the gospel itself. The practice is very simple. In the early monastic movement, uh, there is a, a teaching on this method, which John Main recognized and found in the 10th conference of John Cassian uh, from the early 5th century. Cassian was a kind of mentor or early teacher of, of St. Benedict. And um, it arose from the question that everybody who has ever prayed is concerned with, which is the wandering mind, mm. the, the difficulty of staying focused, yes. paying attention. Yes. Simone Weil says that attention purifies, attention, the essence of prayer is attention. Mm. So the problem for those desert monks was how do we pay attention? Mm. And what they recommended was to take a single verse or a short phrase, mm. in Latin they called it a formula, Mm -hmm. And to repeat this continuously in the mind and heart during the time of the meditation. So this is actually a universal tradition, corresponds to the mantra in the, uh, in the uh, Asian traditions. Mm -hmm. But in the Christian tradition, it would, be, it would mean taking probably a sacred word or maybe the name of Jesus or a, a phrase, the one we recommend is Maranatha, which yes. is the oldest Christian prayer. Mm. What matters, though, is that you stay with the same word, mm. that you repeat it continuously and faithfully. Mm. It's helpful if it's not in your own language, because yes. then it doesn't stimulate your thought and imagination. Mm. Because the purpose of repeating this prayer word or this mantra or sacred word is to lay aside your thoughts, Mm. One of the Desert Fathers actually sums up prayer in this very pithy definition. Prayer mm. is the laying aside of thoughts. Mm. Now, when they speak about prayer, they refer to the prayer of the heart. Yes. Now, there are, of course, other dimensions to prayer that we're familiar with. I was, of course, introduced to liturgical prayer, to devotional prayer, to yes. scriptural prayer, to mental prayer petitionary, mm. intercessory, and so on, charismatic prayer. You know. mm. So there are many different aspects of prayer, all of which are valid, and meditation in this sense doesn't replace any of those. Mm. I think quite the reverse, it gives them more meaning and significance and, and depth. But the, the, the method is very simple. You sit down, you sit still, you close your eyes lightly, and then silently, interiorly, you begin to repeat your word. Yes. If you take the word Maranatha, you repeat it as four syllables. Ma-ra-na-tha. Mm. Ma-ra-na-tha. Mm. Very simple. Mm. That's why children meditate so beautifully. Yes. But, of course, we discover very quickly that it isn't easy. Mm. Our minds are very distracted. Mm. So we have to learn... To, to stay simple and to be regular, to be faithful. So we recommend to meditate twice a day, to build it in 
to your daily life, integrate it with the other forms of prayer mm. and your daily routines. And, and that happens. Uh, it, 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 once it, it takes time and effort, depending upon your personality and circumstances, it will take time to build this into your daily life. But as it becomes part of your regular practice, part of your life, you will begin to recognize the fruits. Yes. We're very conscious today when meditation is spoken about that um, it has many benefits, psychological, mm. physiological benefits, mental benefits. And those are true. Those really are benefits. Yes. But more at a deeper level of meaning, we can identify these as fruits of the spirit, yes. love, joy, peace, yes. patience, mm. and so on. So I often say to people when they're beginning to meditate, um, you know, the real fruit of meditation is you become a more loving person because you will experience yourself to be loved. Mm. Yes. And if you don't become a more loving person after 20 years, we give you your money back. <laughs> that sounds like a very reasonable deal. <laughs> Terms and conditions apply. Yes. <laughs> Lawrence, I actually quote you in numerous workshops when I say to the group um, at one time, and I don't know if you remember saying this, you say, uh, when I meditate, nothing happens, but my life is transformed. Mm. And I often uh, think there's uh, so much truth in that. I mean, the fruits that you begin yeah. to see evidence of that in your own life. Mm. Yeah. I think you could say nothing happens when you meditate during the meditation, but if it does, ignore it. Yes, yes. Wow, and I like it. Yes. In other words, we're not looking for a particular kind of experience. No, no. Uh, and what we're practicing in meditation mm. is a radical openness, an unconditional openness. Mm. It's a, the, the word often used is detachment. Mm. That sounds a little bit unattractive to people but actually it's a very freeing thing mm. because sometimes when you sit to meditate you will feel great peace a great sense of connection a sense of grace but at other times you just can't get your problems out of your head yes uh, or you're just all over the place mm. so you have to take it as it comes mm. but this is where the it's important to see meditation not as a technique, mm. but as a path, a way, a, a discipline that you're following. Mm. And that takes time. And yes. to learn to meditate, I think it's, it's really very it's important long. to have other long. people to meditate with as well. Yes, yes. I loved uh, just at one time when I was attending something, you actually were saying to the group, don't judge your meditation. You know, you don't come out of it saying, well, that was a really good one or that was, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. But it's that ongoing commitment towards it that, that, that what it's about and, yeah. uh, you know, the fruits that come in time. Exactly. Lawrence, you, you did tap into it, but you were talking about the, the word or the mantra. And I know with, with various workshops and that I've been to, uh, this word Maranatha is the one that is often suggested. I wonder, um, in terms of that word, um, 
you know, sometimes you might have someone say, you know, is it a bit restrictive having just that one word? Um, how do you respond to to that sort of a question, Lawrence, when, um, you know, people are, are, are asking why that word? Mm. And, uh, yes, yeah, why that word? Well, first of all, you know, this is what we recommend because this yes. is how we follow the tradition and this is what we what we found and, yes. what, you know, we can only teach what we know. Mm. Um, so we're not saying this is the only way to heaven or the only way to meditate. And uh, if you if you can find another way that is as simple mm. and as uh, transformative, mm. then you know that's fine. So mm. I'm not imposing this or saying this is no, the only not way. At all. No. But um, so why do we recommend it? Well, in in Cassian, for example, he describes saying the the mantra continuously mm. laying aside or renouncing all the riches of thought and imagination mm. so that we come he says with ready ease mm. um, I'm not sure that it's so easy mm. but he comes but we come to poverty of spirit mm. and one of the great gifts of meditation for me has been to to be able to recognize the meaning of phrases like poverty of spirit mm. through my own experience. Mm. And this is why, this is why um, one of the sayings of the desert tradition is experience is the teacher. Mm. So, I think uh, we also begin to understand why Jesus says the way to life is narrow. Not narrow in the sense that we become narrow-minded, no. but that we focus. Yes. Attention. Yes. So the reason we would recommend saying, staying with the same word mm. is that it focuses us, it brings mm. us to simplicity mm. and unity. Mm. And staying with the same word allows the word, and this is very much in the Hesychast tradition and in Cassian, mm. the word, the mantra that we say, begins to sink into our heart, mm. into a deeper level of consciousness. Mm. And this is one of the great gifts of contemplative prayer uh, in this way, is that it, as it sinks into the heart, it opens up for us the awareness, the experience, of the prayer of the spirit that is flowing in us in the, in the joy and peace of Christ who is dwelling in us, it makes us aware of this as a continuous reality. Mm. And that means in practical terms, when you're waiting for a bus or you're peeling the vegetables or you are going for a walk, you, the, 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 the mantra will quite naturally arise in your heart and, and, as it were, connect you to this life, this living water, as Jesus calls it, that is continuously flowing in us. And this is true even in times of stress, anxiety, or fear, or anger, or, you know, all the other seven deadly sins that might be besetting us. Mm. Uh, we are conscious of this of this continuous presence. Mm. And there is no pharmaceutical company 
that has come up with any pill no. that can equal this. No. Because the side effects of meditation are all positive. Yes, yes. So, uh, so that's, that's, that's why it might seem restrictive, mm. but it's actually, so, so is. Lots of things are restrictive. You know, if you want to learn a language, if you want to learn how to play the guitar, or you are restricting yourself from doing other things in order to focus and to, and to practice a discipline. Yes. So self-restriction, this shouldn't, you know, be said, there shouldn't be something that is imposed on you. No. But spiritual discipline is something that you freely accept. Yes. And yes. then it, it sets you free. Yes. Makes sense. I, I, absolutely. And I see this at play. Um, in recent months, I've been meditating with my children at home. And I've just found having the man and my husband, four, five of us, and having that um, mantra, um, the simplicity of it, uh, my, my, my children are eight, 10, and 13, um, has been a real gift because when, you know, they may be tired and everybody's a bit exhausted and we just say, okay, it's time. Um, there's, there's a simplicity to it and we're able to stop and enter into that experience and you can't help but come out of it. You know, my daughter would actually say, I'm so happy we did that, Mum. You know, yeah. there, there's, there's a real gift in, in that beautiful simplicity so I can really see that active within my own family. Well, it's, it's wonderful to hear, hear that, um, mm. that you're meditating as a family. Mm. Um, I, was, I was with a friend... Uh, a doctor in Ireland recently and we were talking about some conference we were arranging and at the end of the evening uh, he said uh, would you like to meditate before mm. I take you back and I said yes of course and so then he just said to his uh, one of his younger son who was with us uh, so Jack if you want to meditate we're going to meditate now he just said it very casually and then he said yes okay I will and then he said, if you want to tell the others upstairs who are doing their homework. Mm. So he, they, he ran up and told them. And they just sort of yeah. drifted in yes. and joined in. And it was, it was a beautiful oh, moment. Beautiful. It wasn't formal. It wasn't no, forced. No. So what you're describing is, well, this, this is, what you're describing is, is what I would, will hope will happen over the next uh, 20 years. 50 years is yes. we've become a much more contemplative church yes i couldn't agree more lawrence no it's been a real gift thank you for joining our program today if you'd like to take some time now or later in the week to enjoy some treasured stillness an experience of christian meditation called prayer of the heart is available on both Podbean and on Apple Podcast and is entitled Meditation 12. I would also encourage you to take a moment to draw on the extraordinary gifts and resources available on a new website developed by the World Community for Christian Meditation entitled A Contemplative Path Through the Crisis. It includes a range of online programs and resources which seek to support people during this time of COVID in not only surviving, but flourishing. 
I look forward to being with you next time to share the second part of my conversation with Lawrence Freeman. Have a lovely week and go gently. Gently.